Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm John Patterson, the co-founder and CEO of Influential You. We teach you how to take charge of your career and amplify your professional influence. We have taught thousands of individuals, professionals, executives all over the world how to be more influential, more rewarded, and more you. Now, today I am joined by Josh D'Amigo. And Josh D'Amigo, I'll introduce in just a moment, but Josh is someone you absolutely want to know. I know many of our members know him well already. Josh began his journey with us several years ago, and his professional transformation has been nothing but outstanding. I also want to make sure that you know that as of today, I am going to announce that Josh is the co-host of the Influential You podcast. And Josh, it's really great to have you with us. Thank you, John. And I'm helping you out and playing already the co-host role. I love it. So thank you for having me. This is a dream come true. I've been thinking about this for about a year. And I'm so happy that we're finally here and I'm so nervous at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Nothing like going live to the world just at the moment. So first of all, um, as I said, Josh is going to be the co-host in future episodes and so forth. But we thought we'd start out the season of the Influential You podcast by me interviewing him because of all the people we want to get to know. You want to get to know Josh for several reasons, because he has some talents and superpowers that are really about um, speaking <laughs> more than anything else. So again, welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Well, let's get to know you a little bit. Okay. Um, everybody that goes through our programs has a journey. There's life before influential you. There's what happens, why you're here. And then how's life now? So we're going to start with life a little bit before influential you. And just hit the high notes. What what was life like before you and I met? Uh, you know, I was a full-time singer-songwriter for a long time. I traveled the country playing shows and running my own business doing that. I was able to tour with Jason Mraz, Zach Brown, Matt Nathanson, a lot of big names. And I was working at Guitar Center as a manager, in the, as a store manager in San Diego. I moved to Ventura because there was a family thing that happened and I wanted to kind of change things. And I moved out here kind of to just be a surfer and just enjoy life and relax and enjoy this Ventura lifestyle. I worked briefly for a Fortune 500 company and as a national manager of in-store experience for our customers. And then also went into sales and did a lot of radio advertising and sales that way. And life was fine. It just, it wasn't really ever working out for me. I mean, everything I did, I always got passed up for promotions. I always got, you know, uh, people thought I wasn't serious enough mm. in a lot of different ways. And so I was frustrated. I was broke. I was fat. <laughs> I remember a lot of times when, when we talk about how we met, which we'll probably talk about, it was the Go heaviest ahead, yeah. I'd ever been. I mean, I was, I was 225 pounds and I graduated high school 110 now. Wow. Not fair to compare the two, but at the same time, it was really difficult for me because I just didn't feel comfortable anywhere yeah. doing anything. I was uh, uncomfortable because money wasn't doing well. The company I was working for, paychecks were bouncing. Wow. And I remember I had finally decided it's time to change. 
I'm going to get a job at this company. They sponsored an event. The gentleman who was hiring me said, do you want to come to the event? Cause then you can network with people and you know, you can get really easy with the role. Yeah. And I said, sure. And so I sat next to you. That's right. <laughs> and that was, and you said, who are you and what do you do? And I think I'll do your version of the story. I said the word relationship 60 times and something like something four like sentences. That. And you yeah, immediately like knew Josh was broke. <laughs> well, it was funny. I, I'll, I'll actually say it because it, it's funny. I recognize in people often right away, there's this kind of superpower that they have. And by the way, we're going to talk about Josh's superpower because he's definitely got some superpowers. So there's a superpower that we all have and it's our way of influencing and our way of impacting and the way that we kind of make it in the world and all of that. But at the same time, it has its downsides. Mm. And I met you and by the way, it was so fun to watch you. You were classic performer. <laughs> I'm looking for my phone. Classic performer personality as we teach it, right? And you're on your phone at the same time you're waving this way and that way and how you doing and you know, everyone from around the place is just, it's kind of like, I see this guy for the first moment. I think, who is this guy? Everybody in the room knows him. Now, I found out a little bit more about that later, but it was amazing to watch that personality in motion. And I think I said something, you know, again, who are you and blah, blah, blah. But I, in my own mind, I was thinking, you know, this guy's probably, I can, I can kind of tell, you know, I could tell by a lot of things that you were demonstrating that you were both fit for that kind of superpower, but also probably not doing well in other places. Mm. And many people that do our programs, as you now know, you know, they're kicking it here and then it's terrible over there, or there's an imbalance or they'd like some balance or they don't want to work so much, or they'd like to make a lot more money and all that kind of stuff. So I knew that about you. And um, and then I think we should talk about the next point, because I remember I invited you to come talk with us. You did. And yeah. then you ended up I kind of said, hey, you should come to a conference because we were just about to have one. And I didn't expect you to come. Oh, OK. I, I didn't. I kind of didn't expect you to come. I thought, well, he'll, he may or may not. But Josh shows up in, in we happen to have our mid-year conference in Vegas that year. Josh shows up and uh, and now you're. Now, the, full now time. you're seeing your faculty yeah. and, you know, <laughs> life has changed a lot. Yeah. And I'll tell you the backstory on that one. Um, cause what you're really pointing to is my network was great. I had all of these people that love me and cared about me and the community in Ventura, the business community has it's been so my great. home. It's been yeah. incredible and they've all treated me so well. And when you emailed me and this is really funny, you emailed me, Hey, we can't meet. We've got a conference coming up. I'd like you to come. And I went, well, I can't, I've got responsibilities. So I asked a few of the people that I care about, John Silva, Stephanie Caldwell, and they said, well, we don't know what they do, but they dress really nice. So you should probably go and find out. And that was the beginning of like, well, no, I, I don't know if I can. And I actually emailed you back. I'm so sorry, I won't be able to make it. You sent one line back to me and it proves that relationship thing that I have, that superpower that really you can tap into with me. That, that yeah. one line you wrote back said, it would mean a lot to us if you came. And I remember I wrestled with that because mm. I didn't want to let some guy down that I absolutely like adored off of one meeting that was a possible future relationship. Like, yeah. oh, and that was what got me there. And I overdrafted the whole way there. I slept in my car during the conference and oh I overdrafted God. the whole way back. 
And it, oh my God. But it was a life changing experience because I walked around <clears throat> the conference and I saw these kind, smart, wealthy people that were actually caring about each other. And I didn't think that rich people did that. I thought they all just kind of sat in their own corners and were one percenting themselves. And right. it was a complete change in everything. It was, it was almost a paradigm shift from what I thought professionals were to what I found out later that they could become. All right. And that was like three or four years, four years ago, ago. Now. four years ago now. Gosh, that's gone quickly. So you're, let's go to the part of the story where you're in our programs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, let me ask you one question. At the end of that first conference, uh, what, what did you think? I mean, did you think, holy crap, who are these people? Yeah. Or is this a cult? I mean, yeah. what did you, what did you, I'm going to, I'm going to cuss mom. Um, so just so you know, <laughs> I walked up to Kirkland Tibbles and I, he said, so what do you think about all this stuff? Kirkland Tibbles co-founder. And I said, well, if this shit works, you teach people how to work less, make more and influence others by the transitive properties. I would work less, make more and influence others. I was going to offer to clean your toilets. <laughs> and he said, well, good. We don't need that. We've got a, we've got a service for that. We need you to sell this stuff. And that was it. And that, yeah, I, so I think good. he said, and we're also going to have you take the program. And I said, great. I didn't ask any questions. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. All I knew is that you guys were offering all this stuff to me. And in my world, that seemed like the best possible uh, yes to say to. So that, that was kind of how I got involved there. And then along the way, in, now you're a graduate of our curriculum. So for those of you that don't know, we have uh, we definitely have programs, a self-guided program, a peer group program, one-on-one -on -one coaching program. We have an entire curriculum and that curriculum is uh, kind of like the secret smart club of our, of our programs. And so you've now completed that curriculum. What are some of the key things that you, not what you learned, I want to know, what did you kind of confront about yourself? Where did you find you were naive? Where did you find you were full of crap? Where did you, where did you deal with? Cause everybody deals with something differently. And by the way, whatever you might deal with in your own personal life might be the same, the same, but it might be very different because everybody has their own journey. So what did you deal with? I remember I, I've got a thing called the session three blues is what I've called it now. And, and in session three, you start to crash into all of these things you may be doing wrong. And I realized I had no pathway for retirement. I had zero clue what the future of money was going to be for me and why did I need money? I'm a musician. I never really liked money that much. I just wanted a Willie Nelson it the rest of my life. <laughs> and I remember being in Kirkland's office and bawling my eyes out because I had realized for the first time in my life, I was about to turn 40 and I had absolutely no savings, zero. Mm -hmm. I had uh, more money in debt than I had in savings. Yeah. And I realized if I didn't fix that quickly here at the, my late thirties, I was going to have some difficulties coming up because that had never really even appealed to me. It, you get the, you know, the, the big box uh, people get that. They're like, Hey, you need to get retirement. They, they tell you, you know, you've got all these guys telling, and I was just like, yeah, sure. My 401k is fine. And this actually made me force it, it forced me to see, you don't have a pathway for that. Um, the other really big thing is that I hate contracts. I hate the part of the transaction in which you must make a decision or we're no longer going to intend to do a thing and we're committing to do a thing. 
I love intending things. In fact, I love showing up to things that I promised you I wasn't going to go to and flaking on things that I swore to you I'd be at. There's something natural about me that likes to flake. <laughs> and this made me realize that a lot of the problems that I faced in life was because I wouldn't commit to things. Mm. I wouldn't actually put a little stink on it. Yeah. And that was probably the biggest thing in my entire life that I never really realized was that I am, I thought I was very, very good at following through with people I requests or when things happen, but for myself, I wasn't showing up and committing to the things that would actually help me get where I wanted to go. Yeah. You know, in our programs, we hold up a mirror. So the way that we talk about it is we say, we're going to hold up a mirror to your own behavior, your own transactional personality, all those things so that you can see what it's like to transact with you. It's one of the key things that we teach. And oftentimes when people are beginning our programs, they don't know that they're what we call high cost. They don't know that they're naive. They don't know that they demonstrate conceit and entitlement. They don't, there's all those things that we don't know. And by the way, if you're surrounded by a bunch of friends, they're not going to tell you any of that stuff. They're going to go, you're awesome. Oh, you're, you're great. great. You do anything. That idea is amazing. Go for it. They're going to tell you all kinds of nonsense. Um, and we're not going to tell you that. We're going to do something quite unusual. We're going to say, yeah, that's great. Yes, superpower all the way. However, here's a mirror. Here's something you may not know about yourself. And it may be costing you everything. Yeah. So what were some of those mirror moments for you? Oh goodness. I mean, the, probably the biggest one is moods. I walk mm. around in a kind of bubble in a way that's sort of like a narrative that I kind of just bounce around sometimes. It can sometimes go really dark and I can go the opposite, but more often than not, I kind of just bounce around life and hi, how's it going? Hey, what's happening? And I feel like everyone needs to just be up on my mood. This program helped me realize that the fundamentals of transaction help me realize that people have different moods that they put on and they're not always appropriate. Yeah. I was oftentimes bringing my happy go lucky fun mood into places where it did not belong yes. into places that were consequential, that people needed to be serious, that I needed to make sure, Hey, keep your tone down. You don't have to be funny every time you open your mouth. And I remember Kirkland looking me dead in the eye and say, you're too damn cute. And I went, what, do you, what does that mean from the cutest man I've ever met in my life? And he says, well, you need some more authority. You need some more respect. People aren't going to pay you a bunch of money just to be cute. Unless you're like really cute. Cutesy. <laughs> cutesy. cutesy. Yeah, cutesy, sort of like oh, clever. So good to see you. Ha, ha, ha. Okay. And, and that was really the biggest one for me because there are situations in which, you know, my superpower of mood setting, oftentimes I can change the mood just by getting serious just by settling things down because people don't know how to react when I, hi, how's it going? Mm, we have to talk about something real serious. And <laughs> once I realized that that was kind of my superpower, I started doing it all over the place. And I started trying to find appropriate ways to uh, put my personality, to, to build my career identity in the eyes of other people yeah. where they addressed me differently, where they started to say, oh, this isn't a young professional anymore. This is a full-on professional. Uh, yeah. So that was the biggest thing was graduating sort of from that young professional mindset in your twenties and thirties. And it almost felt like growing up and becoming an, an adult in many, in many ways. And that's kind of the point where I just want to, you know, just sort of pour gasoline all over your ambition. Cause you're, um, you've got so much, 
so many accolades from the community, for people, from, you know, some of the chambers you're a part of, uh, from us, because you have matured. I, we've just watched you mature your professional influence in all these amazing ways. And one of the things you got to know about this guy is he's ambitious, like really ambitious. And I know that you and I did a, a video on ambition being a dirty word. Here, it's not a dirty word at all. Here, it's like, no, I'm ambitious for those things that I aspire to accomplish, those things that are. And Josh, I got to tell you, you know, from uh, your work with us as a client manager, from your work as a faculty member, uh, you, I don't think anybody has moved through the, our faculty curriculum as fast as you have. I don't know many people that have moved through our entire curriculum as fast as you have, and you have been hungry for and demonstrated the entire way that you are a mature and amazing, ambitious professional and have earned all of my respect. And so again, it's just great to have you be one of the co-hosts for the, the podcast because it, you've earned it. You just earned it in every way. It's been amazing. Well, thank you. I, I remember when you guys were hiring me, I remember saying, looking you dead in the eye, well, I'm going to need some sort of mentorship. <laughs> and I remember you looking at me probably just annoyed already. Probably that might've been the first time. And you just look at me and you go, Oh, don't worry. It'll be there. Yeah. And that's what it's been. I, it's yes, it's been fast. But it's been at the same speed as everyone else takes the program at the same, you know, once a month on the modules for the for the advanced ones and the ability to retain it and to move from this program to this program, FOT, Fundamentals of Transaction, to the Mechanics and Practice, to Mechanics and Practice 2 has allowed me to have a different perspective than I think a lot of people that take breaks in between have. Yeah. And on top of that, I was in your office learning stuff. I was in Kirkland's office learning yeah. stuff. The feedback that I've received from, <laughs> I just name everybody, Drew, you, Kirkland, Liz, Daryl, Daryl, thank you for still letting me work at this company. I, I know that all of these people have poured into me um, like some sort of a um, special kid that just got, I feel like I've been allowed to not only get to study what we do, but then also work it out mm. because we use it in every asset of our company. And when I'm off or don't understand a concept, I have access to the people that wrote the content. So I get a deeper education than I think a lot of other people have, have been able to receive. And um, it's it's been invaluable. It's been as valuable as my master's. It's been as valuable as many of the awards that probably more valuable than most of the rewards I've received. <laughs> That's for sure. So. And uh, you're now part of the faculty. Just any notes about what you've learned as a faculty member? I, I know you've been uh, on that journey now for, has it been a year already? It's been about a year or so. Okay. It's funny, right? You told me once, um, hey, I'll, I'll pull you back when it's too much. And you tried to stop me from map two. And I remember it so bad. I was like, no, I'm doing map two. Get out of here. When we started faculty, it's a whole different thing because now it's not just here's the information. Now it's now teach this information so someone else can understand it. And when you're teaching to know, it's very, it, it comes at you really hard. Yesterday I certified for, I think I've one of the last, I think I've got three or four left before yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm done and I can teach on my own if Marnie lets me. And I, I found that just the difference between general knowledge and specialized knowledge, even though I've learned it for four years, it's so much more rich when you have to talk about it to someone else when you have to actually share with them how this is going, how things are doing. And, and when you do that, 
it becomes so much more about the text and much of the breakthroughs that I've had or the, the jumps up in different levels of satisfaction for different conditions of life have come through the teaching and not so much what I studied, but when it's actually applied and I'm having to use it on a regular basis, that's yeah. when it really sinks in. So anyone that's even interested in possibly teaching this stuff, get on the like, jump in to faculty because that's where John really, really shows you how to use this stuff. Um, one of the things that you talk quite a bit about is deliberate practice. I know it's sort of a through line with you. Uh, any comment about deliberate practice and what that's meant to you? Deliberate practice, as we teach it, has five um, main um, points, if you will. Uh, you know, the, the idea of being one, I can name them all right now. It would, take, it would be a little weird on the podcast, but I know because I've got an acronym of Dr. Fun and I've got it and I know it's kind of there. To me, the idea of not only is it designed to improve things, but you have to do it over and over again. There was a time we were at your house, uh, Memorial Day weekend, and I was having all kinds of issues making phone calls. Mm -hmm. And you sat there with me for about two hours, ring, 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 ring. And we did practice. it over and over and over for two hours. And that kind of practice isn't something that you see in any company. Nobody. Nobody that any company I've ever worked for has never sat me down to do that deliberate practice over and over and over and over. And that to me is so valuable because I tend to not want to do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was diagnosed with ADHD as a child. And as they've taught more about how ADHD is, you start to realize we like to do things one time and then it's done because our brains want to do something else. This has really made me settle down and focus and say, no, no, this is important. Yeah. Keep doing it until you can get to that level that you really want to be at. Cause I'm one of those entitled people you were talking about. I already think I should be the CEO or president of this company and I'm nowhere near fit for that. <laughs> but I, I know that with deliberate practice and constantly showing up and some days it looks better than others, but in, in reality, the more that I show up, the easier it is to know where my path is going to go. It's really good. So here on the other side of, the Fourier curriculum, faculty training, what are some of the biggest takeaways? I know you've lost a bunch of weight, your savings and all, you know, so tell us a little bit, what are some of the results that have happened out of your study here? Well, I like talking about my FOT results because those were the biggest um, like impact. Once I realized that, you know, that commitment was a problem, I played a game. And with me, John, I don't know if you know this, but I'm really competitive. And if you make it a game, I'm in. Now I want to know the rules and I want to make sure that, you know, that I think the rules are fair, but Kirkland played a game with me on my health and he said, all right, what's the consequence if you don't go to the gym, the amount of times you said you were going to go. And uh, I said, I don't care. I'm crazy. Let's do whatever. And he said, okay, how about we shave an eyebrow? <laughs> and as we teach it, he if, said, shave, an, shave eyebrow. an eyebrow. If, if you have I'm glad I didn't know this. a consequence, <laughs> well, John, this stuff is hard to sell. It's very hard to sell without an eyebrow and I don't have to be a genius to put that together. But I'll tell you this, when I showed up to the gym, I was fine and I was doing four days a week. It was great. And then I'd give up a little bit. Well, then I thought about that consequence that Kirkland had and all he had to do was remind me of the consequence. And I can't tell you how many days I showed up to my desk with a Mach 3 razor sitting there on my desk. And I oh, he would put it there. He would just put a Mach 3 razor <laughs> on my desk and I'd be like, well, going to the gym. And I constantly did it. I hit 188% of my aims for health 
I hit 100% of my aims for finance and 23% more than I expected in a very complicated sale as a brand new sales guy who had no previous learning and development experience. That's cool. So 23% increase in income and then the health measure turned out to be how much weight loss? Uh, in that program, it was about 20 pounds. Overall, I've lost 35, kept it off. I gained about 10 because uh, I had a tragic event happen a few months yeah. ago, but I got it back down this week and I'm very, I'm very happy to say that I have lost 35 pounds and kept it off in the last four years. Great. <laughs> I know you have your savings and all kinds of your debt. It's yeah. I've got more money in the stock market and it's not necessarily great right now, but I can actually talk about the stock market. I know yeah. what a bull market is. That was always like a foreign concept for me, but I have more money in the stock market now than I had in debt when I started. And I've got a bigger savings. I've got a ton of help with all of the money stuff because I don't really like it. It's not necessarily what I gravitate right. towards numbers and figures, but in reality, life is a lot more comfortable. Um, I had a tragic event happen three months ago and I was able to get myself out. No, I didn't need any help from anybody. No, I didn't ask for money from anyone. It just was, oh, okay, cool. And we paid for it with savings. Yeah. That was a brand new experience for me that, you know, in my thirties, I couldn't say that I could do that. Right. All right. Very good. Okay. So a couple of things I want to talk about your being asked to be a host and some other things. So you host the Ventura chamber of commerce. You've been asked to host the greater Conejo chamber yeah. as well. Um, I've done a few, um, Maybe I'll just jump in because I think I know where you're going, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, I want to know about, you know, so we started off a little bit with the, the superpower that you have, you demonstrate. So those superpowers have gotten you some, you know, first of all, I, I went, okay, want that guy because that's superpower. But then that's also something you got, you known in a couple other places. And one of the things you want to do just to set a context is, you know, there are people that have your, superpower, you know, or people that wish they did. And so if you can say what that is, I mean, if you want, I can tell you what it is for me, but what is that superpower? What is your skill set, your gift yeah. to the world? I'm a constructivist uh, philosophically. So narrative, being able to put words to things, explain things. If you have a great idea, you give it to Josh and I'm going to make it so digestible for everybody. That's how I kind of look at it. And speaking is wonderful. And I, I have a, a history in public speaking. I, I have a communication degree, won a couple of debate tournaments in college, but it really shown right before I met you guys, I got an opportunity to be the MC of the Ventura Chamber. Two years into working with you guys, this thing called COVID came. I don't know if you've heard of it, but COVID hit. And suddenly all of those opportunities to speak were gone. I'd been asked to be the MC for the Ventura Police uh, Department's ball. Um, I, I'd been asked to MC a bunch of events and COVID hit and we had to come up with something new. So how are we going to be able to complete, still use this skill set in this world? And it, it's nice being a millennial uh, in the middle of all that. I grew up on computers. Yeah. It's nice having the skill set of this talent in speaking. What I really loved was I used the 13 steps that we teach in the fundamentals of transaction. I used one of our clients, Ashley Pope, who works over at the chamber. And she and I designed the first ever virtual mixer for the chamber. And it was a virtual breakfast every Tuesday morning. We would talk about what had happened at city council. So people, all the businesses knew what was happening and we got the right buy-in from the right people. 
Mm. In the middle of designing that, we realized we don't have a judge personality or someone that can do tech. Because even though I'm good at it, I can't do tech and lead like I want right. to. I want to just be focused on leading. Well, we got the right guy. We got a judge who was good at tech who joined, joined our team. From everything that I found, we were the first chamber of commerce in the United States to have a regular weekly meeting after COVID started. And it lasted for two years all the way through COVID. Mm. When the other chambers in the area heard that Little Ventura had already had an active working uh, networking breakfast, well, I got a phone call from the Greater Conejo Chamber asking me if I could come help set that one up. And I designed it with them. I got help with Santa Barbara. The Santa Barbara Chamber asked me if I would come and help them, you know, kind of set up theirs and give them tips and pointers. And it became this thing where at one point I was up for the Tri-County uh, Chambers. I was going to be the MC of three different counties. And it was all during COVID while people were worried about jobs and what they were doing. And I was able to create something that allowed me to use my skill set because of the help that I got from what we teach and the people. And mm -hmm. I don't know if that answers it as well, but to me, that was the shining you know, achievement for me was the, the ability in the, the midst of a, a turmoil where everything businesses are shutting down. Yeah. Our small town, our small township of Ventura was able to have a functioning chamber event that had easily over 60 people per event. And all of them were logging in because of the value that we kept bringing. And of all of the chambers that I've seen, Ventura held its value. Ventura Chamber held its value and continued to get, I think something like 20 new members two months ago, mm -hmm. three months ago, and every month during COVID, while other chambers actually had to shut their doors. So good. I want to talk to you about um, <laughs> thank you, Paul Harper. Um, I, I, I want to talk to you about the skill that you demonstrate as a performer personality. So this is public speaking. Uh, look, the very first time I saw you hosting an event, and by the way, when he says hosting event, he's the host for the Ventura Chamber monthly. And what he'll do is either live or virtually be in front of all kinds of people with so much going on. There's all this stuff going on. There's different interests, different concerns. There's prizes. There's, you know, uh, all the recognition you have to give different groups and people and all that kind of stuff. And you seem to manage all of that kind of like, yeah, I, and, and you got it. And you just you just sort of flow with all of it in this beautiful way. And you're fun, you're funny, you're, you play with people. There's a whole world of stuff that you do as a host for all of those chambers and as a performer personality. So let's just say that I want to, I want to be that guy, <laughs> by the way, I'm not, I'm, as, as you know, I'm not a performer personality, so okay. I'm not that guy. I'm not the, I'm not the, Hey, no, I do stand <laughs> up in front of people, as you know, uh -huh. lead conferences and quite known for delivering amazing conferences. However, if I wanted to be more like you, what would you tell me? Don't. <laughs> I, I have this. I have this story um, in the music career, and, and I know I talked about it briefly, but to be yourself in that version, to be your version of that role, right? Like a lot of people wanted to be Steve Poltz. Steve Poltz is my all-time hero, singer-songwriter. He's crazy. He's fun on stage, gets naked, does all kinds of stuff, plays. He wrote You Were Meant For Me uh, with Jewel. Uh, they were dating at the time. Like he is the San Diego songwriter. And my producer on a record said, hey, stop trying to be Steve Poltz. Mm. And I said, why? I'm like, I'm great. 
He's like, yeah, Steve Fultz is already taken. And what I've found in that, in that I think trips up a lot of people in the beginning of the fundamentals of transaction program is when you start to learn the transactional personalities, you think you need to become a performer to invite a person to a thing. Mm. And everyone needs to be, hey, how's it going? When Daryl does that, my, our CFO, and he's not normally the most outgoing, energetic, fun, excited person, you know something bad's coming. Because if he goes, hey, Josh, how are you? I'm like, oh, God, something's happening. I'm about to get pitched. So what I tell people a lot of times is be yourself in that role. Yeah. What is the John Patterson version of what this would be? Um, because that's going to be more authentic to who you are. It's going to come across better to other people. And I feel like people just have the sixth sense of smelling it when we try to put on a skin that's not ours. Yeah. And I think that's probably one of the most valuable things that we teach people is, hey, your skill set, it may be over here. It may be to be that cranky McCrankerson and, and to, to look at facts and just say, hey, I judge the hell out of things and I'm not apologizing for confronting you. Great. <laughs> and to be able to be that person, even in, you know, do the invitations that you're not comfortable with, but with that same personality, I think is so valuable that anyone trying to be me, holy smokes, good luck. You don't want all the garbage that goes along with all that neurosis of being able to move a, a crowd like that and also stay on task and also get everybody's names right. Cause that is the biggest fear of my world is mispronouncing <laughs> name. No, you're doing, a, you're doing a brilliant job. That's a great answer. It's a really great answer. All right. Um, last thing I want to ask you, <clears throat> um, we often give people an opportunity to have a little bit of a soapbox moment. There may be something that we've taught, maybe something you've learned, maybe something personal to you that you'd like to uh, say something about, talk about or share. So anything come to mind? The, the first thing that comes to mind is really the idea that a lot of people are waiting for the perfect time to do a thing. Uh, the concept that, you know, in, in part of this is probably biased with my sales. And, and some of it is the idea that I just kept going through the curriculum. I just kept pushing myself through. And it wasn't just um, me using willpower. It was the environment. And the concept that it really sticks in my mind, there's two. The first is your environment is stronger than your willpower. Mm. You said that at a conference and it has stuck with me ever since. If I get the Oreos outside of the house, I'm probably not going to eat Oreos. <laughs> so why not set my environment up in a way in which the aims that I want are a foregone conclusion? Yeah. By setting up a space for myself to study in the morning, I, I, I literally walk downstairs, light a candle, grab a book and read from like 4 to 5, 5.30 in the morning. Mm. Then I'll go to the gym and I'll read some more and study some more. But having those environments in different places has allowed me to do a lot more in a lot less time than I see a lot of other people do. The second is this idea of, of getting it started and not waiting for things to be perfect. Yeah. Almost every time I'm interviewing someone, John, they say this, oh, I, when I do something, I do it 110%. I don't want 110% in the programs. <laughs> I want 70. I don't need that much because when you show up and you just do the work, you grow your fitness. And if right. you're looking to get value, I mean, the best way to do it is to do it now <laughs> and then get that compound interest that here's a math term again that I probably couldn't have said four years ago. The compound interest of learning that value over time is just enormous. And so to me, it's it's a combination of having the right environment, but also being willing to just go and do it right now and not wait for everything to be completely perfect before you start. 
because if we had done that, I, I, I'm sure the company would have never began. I wouldn't have heard all the stories about sending, you know, the papers in via, you know, Dove or Pigeon or whatever you guys right. did back in the day, uh, stone tablets. I don't know what you guys did, but <laughs> to me, that's really the most important thing is number one, don't wait for things to be perfect. Number two, create an environment that allows you to get your aims. It's great. It's been a pleasure to have you. Really a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you. It's great. A great new season. Great new season. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell you what, what we're going to do is uh, I didn't plan on this, but you know what I'm going to do? I, I can't think of a better guy to do this. I'm going to have you take us out here. Uh, and oh, yeah, you outro? can this is a little teleprompter. Okay. So we're going to have Josh just, uh, you can take look towards the camera, take us out <laughs> next week. We'll be talking with Tyson Crandall who went from being a one man digital marketing shop to managing an entire agency. Thank you so much, John, for joining us today. Each week we stream live on our website, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with others. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or any place you get your podcasts. Don't be shy. Give it a rating or a review. We want to know what you think. You can also check out our show notes for links to connect with our guests, plus links to websites, books, and special downloads we talked about. The podcast is made possible by influential you, staff, mentors, and members around the world. A special thanks to our executive producer, Tyson Crandall, and video and sound by Michael Teehee and Daryl Anderley. The Influential You podcast is produced by Influence Ecology, LLC in Ventura, California. This episode was recorded on June 15th, 2022. Is that correct? The podcast theme is by Chris Standring and titled Fast Train to Everywhere. How's that? Sounds good. Look, that's hilarious. <laughs> This is so great that you just demonstrated in every way possible your superpower. He's never read that before at all. Just nailed it. Just absolutely nailed it. All right. So we're here streaming um, in the United States, 2 p.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Pacific on Wednesdays. Uh, I can't do the time for Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, the UK, but we'll be here every week, same time. And you can find us in the same place that you did today. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's great to have you. So much fun. And with that, thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week.